We have two Bible readings this morning. First one's Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Over to the New Testament, and we are Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 25 to 40. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said unless someone explains it to me. 
so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his like was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The big question that everyone is asking today is, you know, what is human identity? And we, the, the, essentially the question is, who am I? And whatever the answer is to that, whatever answer we come up with, what I'm starting to notice is that we are coming up with answers that will deny or rub out any answer that includes admitting that we are broken, uh, admitting that we have something wrong, anything that has a negative shade as we come up with who I am, uh, admitting that we have any broken parts, all that is starting to get moved away. And you can, you can notice that when you notice how we're getting better or we're working very hard at what type of language we use and what behaviours we have when it comes to talking about one another. So how inappropriate today to call someone a eunuch or that eunuch um, to say they're some... It, somehow it implies that there's some whole is a eunuch. And so anyone that's been working in the community services field would be all across this. You just have to be super careful with your language. So uh, no longer can you say someone suffers um, or some, someone is an epileptic because that's, that's actually defining them as only an epileptic. And you can't even say someone suffers with epilepsy because that's a negative. So they, they say the best language is to say they have a condition of epilepsy. But what we notice is the way we are moving is no longer are we, no longer are we allowing um, place for the fact that people are broken or that they do suffer or they do um, have harmful things going on for them. Um, in one way, it's good that we are looking at better language because we do have a history where we have seen someone's suffering or some um, aberration with them or an ailment and have devalued them as a human. So we have to be careful of our language and correct our language because there's a lot of, even today, we, we have a lot of latent male privilege going on in our language, a lot of sexism, all that sort of stuff, which is from a, a time which is still with us in many ways, where we are devaluing people based on these things. But we've gone a step further where we no longer say, well, that 
that is brokenness for the sake of then offering empathy and even accommodation in order to help us all get along and love one another, to we're not even allowed to admit that there's something wrong. So you come to a passage like this, um, the eunuch, and you sort of go, well, I, I, what language do we have to talk about him? Is it appropriate that the Bible even writes that someone is a eunuch? Well, let's have a listen to what the Bible says. We'll see that this story that Luke is telling in Acts um, is full of compassion, but doesn't go the next step of actually saying nothing is wrong. In fact, it admits that there's brokenness in this person's life, there's brokenness in all of our life, and that Jesus comes, chases after broken people in order to make them whole. So let's, um, let's dive in and take a look at what's going on first for this Ethiopian eunuch. We're in Acts and what we've been seeing is that the Holy Spirit has come amongst first people in Jerusalem, the disciples, and then a bigger group. And that group just keeps growing and growing as people hear the good news of Jesus. And we see that the, the Holy Spirit is moving all over the place in order to collect people. And so at verse 26, we see that an angel of the Lord comes to Philip. So Philip, we saw last week, has been down in Samaria, and he's been talking to Samaritans, and they've become Christians. So an angel of the Lord says to this same Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And as he goes on his way, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch is described as an important official, um, works for the Queen Queen's treasury in Ethiopia. But that's not the big deal that's made of him. Actually, the passage goes on four times to say the eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch. So it's not overly concerned that he's an Ethiopian or that he comes from Ethiopia. The big concern is Philip is talking to a eunuch. And more than that, the Holy Spirit is directing Philip towards this eunuch. So in verse 27, we see that this man, that is the eunuch, has gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, what's going on for this eunuch is that he is actually profoundly aware of God's holiness and his unholiness. For a eunuch to go to Jerusalem to worship, to worship God um, amongst the Israelites, um, he was vividly aware that God is perfect and that he is not perfect. You see, when people gathered together to worship in Israel before the temple with their festivals, there was a whole bunch of um, ways that they had to worship. And for certain people, you could only come so close to the temple. Other people could come in a bit closer and still others could come in even closer. The whole idea with the temple that God had given to the Israelites was to teach that there is a gap between a holy, perfect God and the rest of all of creation and humanity because of sin. God is holy and everything else, including humanity, is unholy. There is brokenness, there is impurity, there is unholiness. So you may remember this diagram, which I 
used once upon a time. Um, the Old Testament really teaches us that where God dwells, it is perfect and holy, and that is called heaven. But there is a location within the earth that God does come, where heaven kind of pokes through on earth, and that is the temple. And so you've got this unholy earth, but there is this tiny little pocket where heaven pokes through, and there's a holy spot, and God's presence is actually there on earth. But the thing is, as you read through all the, the details around the temple, is you realize that no one could actually get close to that point where God turns up, his holy presence is on earth. So for the eunuch, you'll see that in your outline, you've got De- Deuteronomy 23 verse 1. It says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. So while in general, um, the, the males of the Israelites could get rather close to the, 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 the religious tabernacle temple area, um, if there was a person that had a defect, and De- Deuteronomy 23 mentions lots of different defects that could stop someone from coming any closer, and one of them is that if you are a eunuch, if you have been emasculated by crushing or cutting, um, you may not enter the assembly of the Lord. Now that might seem like it's um, adding insult to injury, um, if, if, you, if that's your condition, and then you want to go and worship God, but God won't allow you any closer. Um, at one level, it does feel like that, and it kind of jars against all our understanding of God being accepting and compassionate and all that. But when you read the whole temple structure, you realize that everyone was to love one another, everyone was to help lift people up, but still, when it came to talking about God, the Israelites were taught by God that He, he is the only one that is holy, And everyone else has a blemish, a defect, and is imperfect and cannot come into the presence of that Holy One unless they are right. So even within the temple structure itself, so this is more the the hard and fast building of the temple, there's zones. I'm sure you're across that. And at each zone, there's a prohibition against who can enter in. And so while you might not be able to have... Um, Gentiles at a certain area, um, they can only come so far, then Israelites can come so far, but if they've got a physical deformity or something like that, they can't step any closer. Um, Then you you had some men that were allowed to come in closer, Um, priests were allowed to come in even closer. Um, But you notice in Leviticus 21, again on your outline, the priests have to be perfect as well. They can't have any defect. Um, So God says to Aaron, for the generations to come, so these are the people that serve closer in, none of your descendants who has any defect may come near to offer food, the food of his God, yet because of his defect, he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. So even in this loving community where they help one another, when it comes to dealing with God directly, even the priests cannot be seen to have any defect even further the people that can go the person the high priest that can go all the way in he must make an offering and the offering leviticus 22 you see has to be 
perfect. It cannot be injured or maimed. There can't be any warts or festering running sores. Um, You cannot offer to the Lord an animal whose testicles are bruised, crushed, torn or cut. Further on, they will not be accepted on your behalf because they are deformed and have defects. So you see that coming into the presence of God, nothing deformed, defected, unclean, impure can come into his presence. And here's the thing, you actually see such is God's holiness that even the high priest, once he's brought in this perfect animal and he has blood to atone for him and everyone else, he has to then create this smoke screen so that he still doesn't actually see the face of God. So the whole temple structure is an elaborate teaching system that God gives to his people to show that he alone is perfect and holy and they are not. This is something that they had to learn and this is something that all of humanity has to learn about God. In a sense, the the whole temple is a mirror to show people that something is wrong. Um, and this eunuch vividly would have been aware of that, wouldn't he? Um, the advantage, the advantage he had with his physical, very external deformity, which seems a lot of people knew about, is that at least when he came to God, he had been cued somewhat that there's something wrong with him, and he needs God's help to make him whole. Um, It's not solely the deformity that is wrong, but the deformity actually speaks to the the sin in people's heart that has just sent the whole world wobbly. Um, This is what the Israelites could learn, and they had this big mirror that constantly showed them something is wrong, something is broken, we are broken, God is holy and we are not. But that's not all. This man, this eunuch, um, we see that he keeps... Because you could go, oh, well, and despair and then run off and do your own thing and just live your own life. But this guy keeps coming back to Jerusalem to worship. Why on earth would he do that? Well, he seems to be very aware of all that God has said because we learn in verse, in chapter 20, in verse 28 that um, on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, you track this journey, where where he came from, um, he's on a chariot, he's going to Jerusalem, it's probably about four months. So when it says he's reading Isaiah, even though Philip hears a certain portion, he's most likely reading all of Isaiah, getting across it, he's reading the whole book. So he's reading Isaiah, the Spirit tells Philip in verse 29, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? That's a good question to remember if you ever hear someone reading the Bible out loud on a train. Okay. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, I don't think this eunuch is completely um, unaware of what's going on in Isaiah, but there are some confusing things and he wants some explanation 
And he's keen to have a conversation with someone about it. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So that's a portion of what we read today from Isaiah 53. And it's talking about a servant person who actually is perfect, but is treated as though he's not perfect, treated in humiliation, and God lays his life down as a sin offering to atone for people's perfections, imperfections. Perfect for the imperfect. That's what he's reading in Isaiah 53. And this eunuch, which I'm pretty confident he would be reading further than Isaiah 53, would have been reading all around it. Because if you come back to Isaiah 53, if you've got a paper Bible, you'll see this most easily, is um, the subsequent chapters, 54, 55, 56, go on to say, because of this servant being having his life laid down as a sin offering, the entire world will be restored. People will be found and counted righteous. People won't have their sins counted against them. Anything to do with sin and the ravages of sin and the curse on the earth will be done away with. There will, because of atonement, because of atonement, there will be restoration. So, chapter 54, verse 1 states, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman. That's the new state for an individual like that, but even metaphorically for the society of Israel. That's their new state because of this servant who atoned. Verse 1 of chapter 53. Come all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. All those who are desperate and hungry, literally and metaphorically, now are replenished and full. Here's the interesting one. Verse chapter 56, and some of it's in your outline. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Because of the servant that's to come to lay down as an atonement, then people maintain justice and do what is right because salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. When that happens, blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing evil, because let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters i will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever 
So on the one hand, it seems like adding insult to injury that a eunuch cannot come into the presence of God. But God teaches that a perfect substitute needs to be given to wipe out all of our imperfections. And he promises that he will give that through this servant figure so that foreigner, everyone who has been excluded outside those bounds, the eunuch, get to come in, come completely in, right into the heart of the temple, in the presence of the Lord, and they are given a name. It is written on the walls. It's beautiful. This eunuch knows this. Why else would he be reading Isaiah? He is looking forward to the hope, the day when God will make him whole, completely whole. There's a day coming where no longer is the world constructed with separations from God, but Isaiah says that the temple, that little tiny bit in the middle where really you couldn't access God and even see him, such are our imperfections. Our imperfections and sins will be done, in such a, done away with so that the entire creation becomes co-extensive with heaven, that is co-extensive with the presence of God. People who are atoned for will be directly with the face of God. That is what Isaiah is promising. And the eunuch is very excited about this. So he asked Philip in verse 34, back at chapter 8 of Acts, um, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Um, If you know Isaiah, it's probably a fair enough question because sometimes you're not too sure exactly who the identification of this servant is but he's excited enough that he wants to know you know who is this servant and it's probably ticking around in his brain because whether he had just been down at jerusalem when this messiah figure proclaiming this person proclaiming to be the messiah had just been arrested and crucified and maybe that's ticking in his head or maybe it's a year later we don't really know but there's enough in the atmosphere for all these questions to be ticking away and he's reading Isaiah, he's a eunuch, he wants hope, he wants restoration. Who is this person? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Jesus is the servant Jesus is the one that atones for you so that you can stand in the presence of God. Even more, God sends his spirit. We see in Acts that because of Jesus' atonement, God's spirit is busting out and chasing down people that were far and excluded and talking to them and coming into them and saving them. The good news about Jesus is that there are no more gaps between us and God. Jesus Christ can make a person whole. Um, We first have to admit that there is a gap 
that we are broken, that there is something wrong with us. And the Bible tells us that, tries to get us to stop living in denial, um, admit and then ask for Jesus to make us whole. The good news of Jesus is that nothing will exclude you if you actually ask for Jesus to make you whole. There's no more gaps. No more gaps. Later on, some of the writers in the New Testament, because of this, um, speak about the new condition that we have started as, started in as Christians. Um, this is the closeness that we now have with God. Romans 8 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. No name language. We have been given the name of God. We are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, into the heart of relationship with God, adopted. And by Him, such is this intimate presence that you can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. The Spirit isn't located anymore in a little tiny pocket of a building that really you can't kind of access him, such as are our imperfections and sin. That's been dealt away with that the Spirit himself is in us and testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The servant, Jesus, the good news is that we are in the direct presence of God now. He dwells with us. And furthermore, we are co-heirs. We stand ready to inherit the entire restoration of the universe. Our bodies, our, our spirits, our souls, everything restorated to live with God a little earlier on. In Romans 8.11. And this, look, if there's stuff you suffer with, it may be a deformity. It may be guilt or shame. Um, such is the atoning work of the servant, making you perfect before God, that we are promised the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Everything will be restored. We will be restored because of Jesus. The good news with Jesus is there are no more gaps between us and God and we will inherit the world and we will be restored with the world. Now we have a choice in life because we do struggle and we do have broken parts as to whether we're going to live in the story that the eunuch embraced where he went away rejoicing or we can pretend that we're not broken and try to make something of a world that we can live in. If we can just construct it the way we want, at least maybe we'll be able to, to live. And that's the story that 
we're often told in our world, you know, don't, don't say it's brokenness, rather embrace it. Um, call yourself unique. Um, it's unique and beautiful. Now, if we run with that story, there's no hope. You might get a little bit of comfort and peace uh, while we wait for the end of the world, but there's no hope when it comes to standing before God. We need to admit our brokenness and our need for him. Last night I was watching the movie The Greatest Showman. Have you seen that? Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful mu- movie. It's very um, wonderfully constructed and it's got some great songs in it. You may well have heard the big song from it on the radio. I think it's Kalara Settle. Is that her name? Kalara Settle. Um, and she's in it. I've got a clip. This clip is where they sing this song and it's the climax of the movie. It basically tells the whole story, so you don't need to go and hire it. This 90-second <laughs> clip will tell it for you. But um, listen to the anthemic words. I am not a stranger to the dark Hide away, they say Because we don't want your broken parts I learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send the blood, gonna drown them out I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be This is me Look out, cause here I come And I'm marching on to the beat I drum I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies This is me Look out, cause here I It's a very powerful movie and there's lots, lots in it that is really, really good. Um, so you could see that there's some very interesting characters in there if you haven't seen it. And it's people who have struggled with some oddities, um, some deformities, things that have gone wrong and that are broken. And at one level, it's, it's great because the show is trying to say that we are all human and these people have been marginalised and put to one side. They need to be you know, with us. We are all humans. But the mistake it makes is that it says the way forward is to create your own little community where you live in denial, where you pretend it doesn't hurt. And I hear that song and you watch this world, things really hurt. It, it's no answer to say, this is me. It's a pretend. Things really do hurt. There is deep, deep suffering. Um, the only way forward is to admit we are broken and we need help outside of ourselves. Um, 
not construct our own little world where we can live in the world that we make for a time. Um, We can't just march along in denial saying, this is me, I have no apologies, I have no brokenness. Um, And that is the story we get told in our world, but it only takes us so far. Here, the eunuch found real hope, real restoration because of the good news of Jesus. Jesus is blameless. He is perfect. He makes me whole. And so, he sees some water. And he says, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? He gave orders to the chariot to stop and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. The eunuch now had a new identity. He is no longer the eunuch, but he has been baptised into the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism, you know, we see it in Acts and it's, it's explained further throughout the New Testament that when, when someone is baptised, they are, they are using a sign to say, what happened to Jesus is me. This is me. When you get baptised, you are saying, I died with Christ. And when Christ rose, I rose. Galatians 3.27 in your outline. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptised into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Um, Baptism is a wonderful little act that God gives us whereby we perform what is so true about us. Um, That is our anthem. When we get baptised individually, when we see other people get baptised, that is our anthem where we go, this is me. This is me. Um, what's, what stands in the way of you getting baptised? Um, if you have not yet been baptised, this is your anthem that God has given for you to sing to. Um, it is a beautiful gift because we forget, even though we have this new identity in Christ, we take a long time to behaviourally catch up to that. Um, we need reminding. And God has given us this beautiful sign whereby we can say, this is my story, this is my identity, these are my clothing. And so I encourage you, if you you have not been baptised, to think about it. There can be a number of different reasons why people who have been a Christian for a while have not yet got baptised. And I'm going to offer to you that if you are holding back from being baptised, it is possible that that's a little diagnosis that your identity might be grounded in something else. So the Lord Jesus gives it to us as a gift. He says, such is your new identity, go and baptise people in my name. At one level, why wouldn't you take the gift? You also have this wonderful prompt when life is going bad and you get overwhelmed, you can go back and you can remember your baptism and know, 
the baptism tells the, the true story of me. So if you are refusing to get baptised, it may be that your identity ultimately isn't quite grounded in Jesus. So think, just think about that. Some people hold back from baptism because they think you have to be more mature or more godly. Um, again, that's your identity is in the wrong place. The whole story of baptism says you can't, you can't be more godly or more mature. Um, the story of baptism is Christ died for you, the perfect, the imperfect. Or you might be scared to get baptised. You know, the whole public thing, um, and I understand that. But you know, again, test. If I'm scared to get baptised, um, what's, what's holding me back? Because baptism is a story sign, isn't it? It's a story sign of what Jesus has done for us. It's given to you to have in your life, to look to, to be reminded about the truths of Jesus. It's given to us as a community. Baptism says this is the uniform. This is the clothing of this community. This is the citizenship of this community. They are children of God because they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to talk further about baptism, we do have our welcome slip where you can tick, a little box there. Um, please at least take the opportunity to start talking about it more. Um, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for the good news where you have made us whole and perfect, that we stand righteous and blameless before God, and that is so true that our destiny is complete restoration. You have already started restoring our hearts to love you aright. And you are going to redeem and resurrect our bodies. And you are going to place our heart and body in a new world that is coextensive with heaven we will see you face to face and we will not turn away uh, we will enjoy you and so even now lord because of this truth may we be like this eunuch who found the good news of jesus and go away rejoicing knowing that in christ this is me